The following podcast contains explicit language. Mary, do you have another box? Yeah, uh, here you go. Thanks. It looks so weird in here, all packed up. So many boxes. End of an era. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we talk about the emotional fallout of the cancellation of The Fix, and we'll reveal what was going to happen in season two. Yes, a lot of people have asked us about that. And then we're going to interview entertainment attorney and author of Fearless Negotiating the Wish-Want-Walk Method to Reaching Solutions that Work, Michael Donaldson. In this agentless world, we need all the negotiating advice we can get. And we have a career-building Hollywood hack. But first, an update. So The Fix is done airing. The killer has been revealed. (laughs) All questions were answered as promised. But a couple of weeks ago, we asked uh, listeners who you thought the killer was. Um, So now seemed like a good time to share everyone's guesses. Yes. So we did a Facebook poll, and we got a ton of emails um, and The Twitterverse weighed in. Yes. (laughs) Um, So it was so hard, Sarah, not to respond to people or weigh in when I was seeing all these comments. But of course— we knew exactly what happened. So we could we just had to keep our mouths shut. No, I had a policy, although I failed sometimes, of not liking any tweets that had a guess about who the killer was. Uh, you know, yes. just like not responding to them at all. Yeah. Um, but some of them I accidentally slipped. Yeah. <laughs> May have liked. Well, the vast majority of people thought it was Julianne, yes. Sevy's ex-wife, played by Robin Givens. Played she brilliantly yes. by Robin Givens. Yes. Um, many people thought it was Leo Maya Stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, some people thought it was Ezra. Yeah, Sevy's lawyer. Because mm-hmm. of Ezra's gambling debt, they thought that um, he had killed her in order so, to have Sevy hire him again. Yes. Now, I will say all of those guesses were things that we laid in. Yes. Um, that we were hoping that people yes. would would believe and and pursue yes um as options um but some people we did not think people would think of as suspects like matthew right um i totally get the people who thought that he did it matthew for those who didn't watch the show (laughs) matthew is was the lawyer who tried the, the initial case with maya he brought her back to try this new case and people thought oh well he was in love with her maybe he killed jessica to get maya to come back yes Good uh, guess. Yes. Um, and some people thought it was Star, Sevy's daughter, because she um, had been friends with Jessica and sort of had an inside um, knowledge. And that makes that. sense. That, it was, yeah, she knew Jessica. She had the um, the storage locker yes. where all of Jessica's stuff was. Um, but I'm happy to report very few people guessed that it was Gabe. Very Sevy's few. Sevy's stepson, who was the actual killer. Yeah. 
Melody from our Facebook group yeah. guest, right, Sarah? She said, just rewatched Prediction. Gabe, the stepson, did it to frame Sevy and make him pay for killing his mom. Yes, and Marissa, also on our Facebook group, said, what about son Gabe? Maybe so angry Sevy got off when his mom was killed that he wanted to frame him. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the slight tweak on that is that in our version, Gabe really killed out of anger. And then once she was dead, he realized the way out was to frame Sevy, which would accomplish what he and Jessica were setting out to accomplish all along. You know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and I love... Julianne, being the smart woman that she is, she is the only one who figured it yes, out. Yes, right. She figured it out pretty early on, we yeah. think. Uh, But thank you to everyone for watching, for being so engaged, for your discussions. We loved reading everyone's theories as Mm -hmm. the show went on. Um, And um, we're glad that people seem to find it to be a very satisfying conclusion. Yes. And thank you, Alex. Oh, my God. uh, Who played Gabe, who um, didn't know when he signed on that he was <laughs> playing the killer, but just uh, rose beautifully. He surely the, did. Now, in the, the pilot, he had this very small part. And then we were like, hmm, mm-hmm. we think he's, he actually did it. And he was just fantastic. Yes. And, of course, he's a Missouri boy, so we like that also. Oh, yes, we do. We had an amazing <laughs> cast all around. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it is The Fix getting canceled. There will not be season two of The Fix. Now, a lot of people thought there wasn't going to be a season two anyway, because it was sort of presented as this 10-episode event series. But it was definitely on the table. Yeah, we had always planned to do a new case season two. So it would have been Ezra and Maya, but with a totally new case. Um, Now, our numbers weren't great. So we, you know, we knew it might not go. um, (laughs) But they had asked for a season two pitch. And there was a lot of love for the show at the studio and network. And they really loved the season two pitch. Yes. It seemed to us. Yes. So we really... Um, we did think that it could go either way. Well, and you sort of always have hope, even when the evidence is stacked yes. up against you, you still can't help but hope. And I think because we, like, we just, we really loved what we did and we mm-hmm. were excited about the potential of season two and felt like it could grow in season two. And our Hulu numbers were really good. So it yeah. just sort of, you know, you look at the evidence that's in your favor. yes. And that makes you hope even when the other evidence may outweigh the yes. evidence in your favor. And it did, it brought to mind something, the whole situation, Sarah, which um, I think we said before, which is silence is death yeah. in this business. Yep. So when we were hearing nothing from them, sort of um, no list for directors for season two, no questions about the writing staff for season two, um, which would have been the same. Which would have been the same. The we loved everyone, but they didn't officially know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that was sort of evidence that we weren't going to get picked up. Yeah. And um, it's just sad to say that when the phone stops ringing, that's when you know you're in trouble. Right. And that's true in pilot season as well. Like when you stop getting notes on the pilot. Yeah. Script, if you stop getting notes in, uh, you know, early January, just or. Well, yeah, early January. Just give up. Yes, exactly. Let go. Let yourself off the hook. Um, 
And yeah, so the phone wasn't ringing. And then, of course, when you can't wait any longer, the phone does ring. Yeah. And with the final answer and interesting tidbit for people who might not know this is if it's the network calling, it's good news. If it's the studio calling, it's bad news. Yes. The network only calls to give you a yes. They call later, like hours later, to say, great working with you. Once you're not weeping. Yes. (laughs) Um, But they call with the good news. So I like that because then you just know from who's on the phone and you don't have to, everybody knows what the call is going to be. Yeah. Um, I certainly prefer the call, the good news calls. They're much better. Um, But... uh, Anyway, it is what it is. Yeah, you as much as you try to emotionally prepare yourself um, for bad news, it's just it's gut wrenching. Yeah, and there's so many people involved. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just us; it's the whole cast, the whole crew. Um, right, you feel like you've let people down. Yes. It helps to look around at all the other shows that are getting canceled. Honestly, like yeah. I was like, well. Passage got canceled. I love that show. Yes. Liz Heldens is amazing. Like, yes. you know, you just yeah. have to go, okay, this is not just us. It's not a personal decision. Um, it's very numbers-oriented. It's often not even a creative decision. It just is what it is. Yes. Um, and I love this. My friend Katie, who's a writer, Katie Allender, she's phenomenal. Uh, she writes young adult books. You should check out her books. Anyway, she texted me, Lick your wounds, lick your vodka, and continue being a badass. Nice. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Katie. Oh, my God, mm. that really helps me. Um, <sighs> yeah, we did drink a lot less with this cancellation than we did the day we got um, fired off Women's Murder Club. I know. It's funny, isn't it? I don't We've think grown. that I drank, really. I'm trying to think back. Maybe you should have. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I should. I'll try it. <laughs> I'll give it a try tonight. Um, and then we thought it would be fun to talk about season two, since yes. so many people have asked us about what it would have been. Yes. Um, and also, we wanted to address, some people were upset that Gabe got away with mm, murder. Yes. And there um, was a lot of discussion about that in the writer's room. Yes. But, spoiler alert, that <laughs> was going to be a big issue in season two. Or Maya. Yes, Maya. That was going to haunt Maya. She was going to be keeping an eye on Gabe. Um, eventually, whether it was season two or season three, we think she was going to pursue, um, you know. Getting him into jail, yes. even if it meant Sevy getting out. Yes. And we think Ezra also was going to be pursuing the truth because yeah. Ezra knew Sevy didn't do it. And he was going to be finding out who did. So we were so. going to carry that thread through as we opened another big case. Um, and, the you know, what we loved about season one was the L.A. of it all. We loved the movie star. We loved the um, the locations. and The and real just, estate porn is so yes, satisfying. Exactly. Um, and so we were going to really lean into that again, season two. And our insp- we had a kind of two inspirations, very different inspirations yeah. for season two. One was um, Elizabeth Holmes of Bad Blood, the woman who started Theranos and um, sort of inspired us to think about a female sociopath character. Not that I'm I hope saying she was for saying that. Path. No, I'm not <laughs> saying she is, but she inspired us to think of a character like that. Although I think she is. Um, and then Sarah. 
Um, and then our other inspiration, this will shock no one, knowing knowing Liz, was a kind of Kardashian-esque family. So the center was going to be a murder in the midst of a Kardashian-esque family. And the one of the the sort of main character in that was our female sociopath. Um, and it would have just been super juicy. Yes. Um, and what I love about the world of the Kardashians um, in their reality show is fictionalized just, world. But this in this case, it's a fictionalized world. It's just <laughs> how many characters there are. Yes. And how many people could have competing agendas. Um, and so we were just going to have a lot of fun with that. And it yeah. would, to be clear, not actually based on the Kardashians, <laughs> but a family like the Kardashians. And we were going to be in Hidden Hills um, which is a very rich area um, of Los Angeles um, out near Calabasas. Uh, but anyway, um, it's not to be. Nope. Not to be. And some people have said we should do a podcast of season two, which is a great idea, but we actually can't because we don't, we don't own, own it. The, the idea. Yes. We don't own the show. We don't own the idea, even um, though it was our original idea. Um, it does not belong to us. No. Uh, but thank you, everyone, um, for the interest in season two. It lives in our brains. Yes, and it's damn good. Yes. Oh, we didn't have a chance to fuck even it Even better than season one, <laughs> yes. might I just say. <laughs> Absolutely. Coming up, we discuss negotiating with entertainment attorney Michael Donaldson. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, Liz. So this next interview is something that all Hollywood writers need right now. And even if you're not a Hollywood writer, you need it. But we particularly do. Um, as we've mentioned, the Writers Guild and the Association of Talent Agents are in the midst of a dispute and writers have fired our agents. So suddenly we're all feeling like we really need to know how this whole negotiation thing works. Um, and, you know, we do have lawyers to handle negotiations. Most of us, some people don't. But even if we do have lawyers, it's just it's a skill that right now we all really need to bone up on. Yeah. So we asked Michael Donaldson to come in and give us a crash course. Michael Donaldson is an entertainment attorney who has been fighting for independent filmmakers for over 30 years. In addition to working on films by such industry icons as Oliver Stone, Davis Guggenheim, and Lawrence Bender, Michael serves as general counsel to Film Independent. He is the industry's go-to attorney for fair use and other clearance and rights-related issues. 
Michael graduated from UC Berkeley School of Law. His book, Clearance and Copyright, now in its fourth edition, is used in over 50 film schools and has become the standard industry reference book. Michael also wrote Negotiating for Dummies and Fearless Negotiating. Michael Donaldson, welcome. Welcome. Well, thanks. Glad to be here. We're, it's very timely, your visit in this yes. world where writers are without agents. And many of us have lawyers, but many do not. Yeah. So um, it's really a time when we need to understand negotiating. Yeah. Um, because negotiating, it's just so intimidating for people who don't do it regularly or, frankly, ever. Um, well, I guess I should ask you a question. What do, uh, you, what do you think negotiating is? Well, I always think of it in the business context, but in your book, you say it's not, which is a great thing to be reminded of. Right. Well, the first negotiating book I wrote, Negotiating for Dummies, which <laughs> exploded, was a book I wrote on my own. And originally it was entitled, Honey, Please Put the Seat Down. <laughs> because you, you, you negotiate every day right. about everything. That's a good reminder. Yes. So like, we shouldn't feel so intimidated in a business setting. Yeah. Uh, that is a very good point. I, I just, I feel completely overwhelmed at the notion of negotiating, which is why we're here. Yes. And you have this very clear approach. You call it the wish-want-walk method. Can you talk it talk us through that generally and help us? Help yeah. us? <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I guess the... Uh... The predicate to that is, when in a negotiation do you think you have the greatest impact on the result of the negotiation? Is it before or when you're in the room or when you're delivering the product sort of on a timeline? Um, well, I'm going to guess before, be just because of the wish-want-walk method name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Am well, I right? It's a correct guess. Oh, Very yay. good. But it's interesting. Most people think it's in the room. But you're absolutely right. Every single study shows it, that that's where you make the biggest difference. Um, wish. That's your dream result. And you really need to let your mind explode and, and think of everything you might really want in the deal. And then want is where the deal's going to most likely land up. Mm -hmm. You may have to do some research on that. Uh, ask some people, but that's sort of a marketplace number. And then walk. And often the walk away is not about the number. Uh, oh, you want final cut? Mm. Oh, you're only going to give me a one draft? I don't get to redraft? You know, you, there, there are issues that should be more important than the number. But you want to really think about what's going to make me walk away. Sure, a number will be part of it, but think about the other things. So that's a huge overview of the wish, want, walk. And if you can put those things down on a piece of paper, you will go into the negotiation confident, and you'll, you'll have that walk-away point, which is so, so powerful. Well, it leads me to a question, which is, how do you sort of balance passion for a project and desire to do it and expressing that desire, which is important in Hollywood. Everybody wants your, to know that you're passionate with a sort of cold-blooded, well, I'll walk away, you know, at this point. Um, do you hide your passion or do you just, I mean, that's 
perhaps why having a lawyer doing the negotiating is helpful. But what's your thought on that? Well, it's uh, having somebody else do the negotiation if it's something you really care about sometimes is hurtful. Um, ah. I think the important thing is to be genuine. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling excited about something, express it. You've got your wish, want, walk. If they if they want to take advantage of that, is a good time for you to say, well, let's put a pin in this. I am excited about it, but I'm not going to give it away. Mm. You know, just being honest. Uh, so yeah, don't don't be afraid of being passionate about okay, being good. excited. In fact, who would want to buy a script from somebody who didn't think much of it? Right, you know? right. Who thought of it only monetarily? <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm, yeah. I don't particularly like this script, but I hope you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still gonna kill it. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about the want section of wish want walk because. One of the things that you say is so critically important is gathering information about the market. Um, And the WGA right now is trying to help with that by putting out grids of what writers are making on average, what over kind of the highest number that writers are making. And writers are also trying to be more open and sharing with each other about what they're making. Um, Do you think that's something that will help us as we sort of tackle this ourselves. That is incredible. I I urged that a decade ago. So I am like turning cartwheels <laughs> that they're finally getting data to the people that need it, which are the, their own members. Agents have a lot of data, but you can't well, you can't trust it. <laughs> I, I, do I dare say this? Yes, I say it. No, you, but, but, and you can't even, even asking fellow writers is not great because, you know, people, oh, I made a, a million bucks. They don't tell you. And I, they had to write three other scripts, you know, in the deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the Sundance deals that always are all these big numbers, but they never tell you what the, when they're going to be earned or how. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. And Michael, I want to ask about, this is a tangent from the wish-want-walk method, but about, you know, women versus men, both in their, what you think um, women could do for themselves in negotiating that maybe they don't do because they don't feel they have the right. And also, what can we do about the fact that our numbers are um, suppressed because we're women. In other words, our quote is not what it should be simply because we're women. Men in our same position make more than we do. Can we can we change that? Yes. The first thing you got to do, because women naturally talk to other women about what they should ask. Ah. Talk to men oh. about what you should ask Great. and what they're making. That is such a good point. Because Consider it done. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because yeah. in our lives, there's another, you know, other women we know. We said, let's call all them and see what they're making. But you're right. What they're making is irrelevant. Yeah. Well, so what are the guys it's making? It's relevant yeah. in this way. It's too low. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can use that for your walk away. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. But, but. You know, that's limited. You really want to establish a wish, and that's when you talk to the guys. Okay. (laughs) And we did tell our agent before we had to fire him that we wanted to be paid from now on as if we had a penis. Yes. And, you know, I think that is is part of our want and our maybe our walk Uh at this point. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're sick of it. Yeah, (laughs) really are. Well, you should be. You should be. 
uh, you know, nobody pays eight fifty to go to a movie because it was written by a guy. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I, the other thing that's a little bit tricky about it, sticking with the gender thing for a moment, is that women are perceived differently when we're negotiating than men. Um, and you talk about negotiating style. Um, these are sort of two questions that I'm going to wrap into one. But, like, is there a style that works best? And as women, what kind of style can we adopt that is going to make people, well, that will that will help people give us what we want? Yes. You're right. It's two questions. <laughs> so I'm going to separate okay, them back. <laughs> In terms of style, uh, you just got to be yourself. Uh, it's so important, especially if you want a long-term relationship with somebody because it will quickly come out like, what's that about? You know, or, she was acting weird today and they'll be right it, because it won't match up with the other way you've been acting. Uh, so just being yourself is really important. And I think the gender thing is sort of a bigger topic. Somebody who disrespects women is going to disrespect women in the time when you meet with that person and with every other woman he meets during the day. So you just have to have your, your feelers out and call them on it. Um, it's interesting. In terms of male-female, being clear is important no matter what your style is. So I think if you had to work on one thing to gain respect, and that's to be clear. I was in a... Um, rather large negotiations, probably 10 lawyers at the table. And it went around the table that was all men and my partner, Lisa Califf, was at the, the table. And just coincidentally, it started just to her right and went around the table. So she was the last to speak. And it had been not going, everyone had different ideas. And she just said, bip, 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 so clear, so logically that almost all the men in the room just sat back and said that she's right. <laughs> and it was, it, was, I, it was really wonderful for me to watch um, because I'd already been one of the water muddiers. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that she was just so clear. But being clear, that is being able to articulate what you want and why you want it is good no matter what your style is, if you're the joker or the serious person, no matter what it is, at the end of the day, you have to be clear. You can't joke your way or yell your way out of a conundrum that is created by confusion. Well, that's interesting to me because it's so much about being prepared. Like mm. being clear is so much about thinking about it in advance and kind of breaking all of that stuff down for yourself before you're in the room. You know, it's doing wish, want, walk, really. It's saying, like, this is what I need. This is what I want um, in advance prior and, and, and to this is the negotiation. Yeah. Yes. That keeps the emotion out yeah. to a degree. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know what your game is. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. There, One of the things that happens when you're very passionate about a project is you get anxious, like, I got to close this deal. Right. If that's your mindset, you better have somebody else go in with right. you or for you yeah. because that's, you never got to close this deal. There's always another deal to be done. 
Well, that makes me think of a, a thing you say in the book, which is that writers think studios have all the power and they don't understand that they have power too. Can you right. talk about that? Yeah. You would not be in the room if the studio wasn't interested in your script or podcast or TV series, whatever it is. And the person that you're talking to is not the entire studio. It's a person with a job. And the job is make this deal. Mm -hmm. So the person you're talking to has pretty much the same need that you do. Now, what they're scared of is A, making a deal that the boss will be upset about or think you're weak. B, not making a deal at all, uh, although they usually can blame it on the writer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was being a whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> finish the sentence. So, so that person is what you've got to worry about. And, and part of preparation is finding a little bit about this person. Mm. Is this a new hire, really, really junior? Is it a senior person? What is their authority? You will rarely, even agents rarely, are dealing directly with the person with the final, final, final right. decision. Yeah. It's an individual. Yeah, it's, right. You know, not the corporation. People research what Disney is buying these days. Maybe they're buying uh, horror films, but this particular person is the buyer for comedies, you know, mm, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 You also in the book talk about the importance of saying it depends. Can you <laughs> discuss that with us? Like, what does it depends mean and why is it so important to a negotiation? Well, I guess because it does depend <laughs> uh, on a lot of things. And you get in the room, you know, you put out your, your wish and you, you're down really grappling with it. And then you always have to balance things. Sometimes it's well worth it to give a little on the salary, or at least initially, and uh, gain a couple more drafts. So yeah, it's always a balancing of factors. I know for us, like the ability to be able to develop is huge for TV writers when they're signing contracts. And like, you'll give up money in order to have the freedom to develop. Mm -hmm. um, something else you, you talk about is linkage. Can you explain yeah. what, kind of what linkage means in terms of a negotiation? Well, and that follows well from the depends. Yeah. And the example I gave you can say, well, you know, if I'm not guaranteed at least two drafts, redrafts, there's no deal. So maybe we ought to quit talking about money and talk about that. So that linkage really puts things together that may seem very different, and they are very different. But to you, it's the number of drafts. And, and frankly, that is important. I picked that out because to overlook that and then all of a sudden find out uh, you've turned in your draft and they've decided, well, we're going to hire somebody else altogether because we really don't like this draft. You need to have the right to go and say, no, you need to tell me why you really don't like it mm -hmm. and give me another crack at it. But that'll hold everything up. I'm pretty fast. And you, <laughs> by the way, if you think that'll hold it up, try and screw me over. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, in general, why do writers need lawyers? We've had a lawyer our whole career. Most writers have lawyers. What do lawyers do that's different than agents. And what should we be asking yeah, from our lawyers? lawyers? Well, one thing that the lawyer does that's different 
is the absolute ethical requirement to put the writer's interests first. Agents talk about that, <laughs> but I've met many agents, certainly not every single agent, whose loyalty is first to the agency, mm -hmm. and then often um, there isn't an agent I know who actually admits this or likes it or likes to hear it, but it, I've seen it uh, time and again where the buyer is more important than their own client. Yes. And that's, it's, I, I get how that happens. I mean, they're, they're trying to sell to whatever studio every single day and they, they're successful. And then they have this one client that's being difficult and wanting four rewrites guaranteed when they're just starting and don't yet deserve that level of assurance. And they're not going to push that very hard. Right. Because they don't want to look like a novice themselves. Mm -hmm. And they'll think, oh, that's, you know, that's not going to fly. But these are personal things. And uh, you, you know what's important. In a passion project, the important thing is do they get the project? Are, mm -hmm. are they going to have the same vision that you have? That's more important. Um, we had a sale at uh, at uh, Sun Sundance year before last on a film, and it was a six hundred thousand dollar film. And when it got to six million, the filmmaker said, "How far do you think we can go?" Blah blah blah. And I remember telling him, "Relax. This is your first film. What you need." because they really want it. What you need is a good Oscar campaign. Oh yeah, they said, they said they'd do that. I said, it doesn't make any difference what they said. Mm. Here's what you need in the contract. So many billboards on Sunset, no, 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 no. And fortunately for me, the, uh, the, I ran into the head of the company just moments, maybe an hour later. Um, and uh, he said, what's it gonna take? And he was asking about numbers. And I said, you're, forget about numbers. Here's what you need to do. And, and I gave him a menu of things and it's all in the contract and they won an Oscar. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's nice. <Yeah>. great. <laughs> yeah. That's Happy amazing. Happy ending. I yeah. like hearing that. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming in today. This is extraordinarily helpful. Your book has been so empowering for us and undoubtedly will be for other writers as yes. well right now. Um, so just a reminder, it's called Fearless Negotiating the Wish-Want-Walk Method to Reaching Solutions That Work. And I guess I also ought to mention we'll do a three-hour seminar at the Writers Guild. Oh, oh, when is that? It's Monday, June 17th. It's members only, and it'll be in that upstairs room. Great. Excellent. Okay, so writers, look for yeah. that. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Oh, good. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. In. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Next up, we share a networking Hollywood hack, but first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. And this is something we always intended to do, but did not do. And now we wish we had. Yeah. So everybody, learn from our mistake. Please. Okay. So what we should have been doing our entire careers, yes. um, and that we're going to institute now— is keeping a master list of everyone you have meetings with, what company they're at, what you talked about. I think you should also include what you wore, mm -hmm. just in case. Um, 
just have this. Like, if we had had this over the last 19 years of working together, just a list of every single executive we we have met with, it would be so helpful to us. Especially right now when we don't have an agent. Yeah. Um, and you never know what's going to come in your in your career. So it just is such a good idea to have those names. Because also, a lot of times you'll remember you met with someone somewhere, but you don't remember their name. Um, and of course, people move around all, all the, the time. time. So if you could kind of, when you're meeting with someone, look at the names and then go, oh, wait, I met with that person when they were at Lionsgate. You know, yes. it, it just helps with the connections because being connected to people is much of what Hollywood is all about. So please do this, people. And it's so easy to forget over time oh, because you just you meet think with you'll so remember. many people. Yes, you think every meeting is seared in your brain, but in fact, it's not. Yeah. And also, right now, of course, get their contact information. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> emails, phone numbers, whatever you can get um, yes. because we all need to be uh, more proactive in our relationships. We sure do. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you have not already. Yes, and a very special thanks to Michael Donaldson for joining us today. You can check out his book, Fearless Negotiating, The Wish-Want-Walk Method to Reaching Solutions That Work. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Copyright Guide, C-O-P-Y-R-I-G-H-T Guide. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our sadly soon-to-be former assistant, Mary Merkins. Yes. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and the new podcast from Whole30's Melissa Urban, Do the Thing. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Kraft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Even when our show gets canceled. Even when. <gasps> that can be our button. Is that long enough to be a button? I mean, we decide what the button is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. From the Onward Project. <laughs>